Well, hey, we want to um, we want to welcome the first-time guests. If you're here for the first time, we are we're glad you're here. We're excited you're here, and um, hope you come back to see us. Hope you find us as a place that you can call home. And uh, if you're here and you're just kind of exploring faith and exploring God, you're not real sure what all it's about, we just want to say welcome to you too, and that's okay, and we hope you come back, and we hope you keep asking questions, we hope you find answers to your questions, and uh, we just want you to find this, uh, be a place you're comfortable in and a place that you can uh, enjoy coming to. Uh, we're in this series called Faith Works. You guys enjoying Faith Works so far? Anybody got a t-shirt yet? A couple of t-shirts here and there. Yeah, we're in this uh, series, Faith Works. I'm, I'm really loving it. It's... Um, the book of James is a pretty cool thing, isn't it? I love the book of James. I love what James is about. I love what the author talks about. Um, if you guys are, have read it, into it at all, basically James comes on the scene and he says, hey, I know you guys believe in God. I know you believe in Jesus. You believe all these things happen. You believe he rose from the dead and all that. But at some point, the rubber has to hit the road, right? And at some point, what you believe has to be played out in your actions, right? We get that. And that's kind of what James uh, comes on the scene saying, and, and so it's a really cool book to read, and it's a really practical book. It teaches you about what your faith looks like and how your faith works. And so I'm loving it, and I, I, love, I love the book of Bible, or the, the, the book of Bible. I love this book, the Bible. I was telling some other people, I love it for many different reasons, but one of the reasons why I love it is um, I've been a follower of Jesus for many, many years and I grew up in a Christian home. I grew up, my dad's a pastor. Um, and so the Bible was always a part of my life. It has been a part of my life for a long, long time. But what I love about the Bible is you never get to a point where you completely master it, you know? Like, even if you read all the way through it, you never get to a point where, like, man, I got this figured out. And there's always something refreshing. There's always something new in it. And, and that's what I love about it because I've been reading it for a long time, um, you know, more periods or some periods more than others, but I've been reading for a long time, and I always come on something new. And that's kind of what I've been studying for the last couple of months, has been something, the topic we're going to talk about, I've been studying for a little bit, and it's brand new to me. And I never heard it, for all the years that I was in church, I never heard it talked about. And so it's really blowing my mind recently, and, and I hope that it blows your mind tonight. And uh, I hope that it smacks you right in the face, because it smacked me in the face, and uh, I hope it continues to smack me in the face, really, because... What we're going to talk about, I think, has the power to change your life, um, not in the future, not when you get older, not when you become, you know, super religious or anything like that. It has the power to change your life tonight. I really believe that. And so I hope that you learn to apply it in some type of way. Here's what I want you to do. I want just uh, you and maybe two or three people around you, we're going to do this. This is a little different. I want you to just grab a couple people, and here's what I want you to discuss. I have one question for you. The question is this. What does the Bible say about how you are supposed to treat others? What does it say about how you're supposed to treat others? Or maybe, or maybe what have you learned? Hold on, I'll tell you when. Or what have you learned from your parents or from your world, your life? What have you learned about how to treat other people? What is your moral compass, your code for how you treat other people? We're just going to take three minutes and we're going to come back and we're going to talk about it, okay? Just so the people around you discuss that. All right, y'all start wrapping it up. All right, anybody hear something from somebody else that maybe they, they didn't think of? 
Or you're like, man, that's kind of a crazy way to treat people. I never heard of that. Anybody hear that? Well, tonight, I'm not going to answer your question directly um, right now, but I'm, what we're going to talk about, hopefully we'll answer um, by the end of the message. Hopefully you'll know, maybe you'll have a little more insight into uh, how to answer that question. Tonight's topic, what we're going to talk about is titled favoritism. Favoritism. Anybody hear that and just go, dude, what in the world? Favoritism. What is that? That's kind of what I thought, favoritism. What in the world is favoritism? Uh, maybe in your Bible it says partiality. There's two ways of saying it. We're going to talk about favoritism tonight. And favoritism, in my opinion, kind of falls into the same category as gluttony. You guys ever heard of what gluttony is? Gluttony is literally the sin of um, stuffing your face with food until you're overly satisfied. Anybody ever done that before? Man, some of you may do that tonight. Yeah, it's so common, right? Gluttony is very common, but it is very serious sin. And the Bible talks about gluttony. And that's kind of what I think about favoritism. You know, we don't ever hear anybody talk about gluttony, you know? We don't ever hear it talked about. And favoritism is kind of the same way. We don't really hear favoritism talked about that much in church. And, uh, but just like gluttony has the potential to creep into your life and slowly ruin it, it really can. It can get, deteriorate your life. Favoritism can do the same thing. So favoritism is a big issue, and we're going to talk about it tonight and kind of dive in and give you a little bit more of a, um, a better definition of what favoritism is. So what is it? Is favoritism simply picking a favorite in something? We all pick favorites, right? We've got a favorite team, favorite sport, favorite uh, TV show, Walking Dead, anybody? Yeah? Rick, Rick is going crazy. Rick is losing it. Well, in the spirit of Valentine's Day, we thought we would do this. We're going to put uh, a couple of things on the screen, and I want you to pick your favorite, what you think is better, okay? So we're going to put two things on the screen. The first one we have, ladies, what would you rather get for Valentine's Day? We're going to put two on the screen here. Would you rather get chocolate or roses? Ah, tough one, right? Guys, you taking notes? Guys, you taking notes? What's the next one? Valentine's Day. Which one's better? Uh, I don't like those heart things. Hey, if you chose the hearts, listen up. If you chose the hearts, we got a surprise for you. Look in the seat underneath you in the front. We've got a box of candy hearts for you. If you're in the front row here, guys in the second row, will you grab the second box and hand it to the person in front of you? Or you can get on the ground and, and crawl around and look for it. We've got a box, box of hearts. <laughs> Might have some favoritism being showed right now. Y'all enjoy those hearts. Hey, be sure to clean up your trash on the way out. All right, so maybe hearts win. What's the next one? What's your favorite? Ladies. I don't know. They're both bad, maybe? I'm not going to lie. I cried. Notebook. Notebook teared me up a little bit. All right, ladies, this one, this next one, or no, guys, this next one's for you guys. Guys, would you rather go on a date or bro time? Bro time. If you got your girl next to you, you better be careful. You better be careful. All right. So is favoritism, is it simply just picking a favorite? 
Is favoritism just picking a favorite of something? Because, you know, obviously we do that, right? Obviously we all pick favorites. You got favorite movies, favorite everything. So what is it? Well, tonight I want you to look in your Bible if you brought it. And if you didn't, uh, there should be one in front of you. We're going to dissect James chapter 2, just four verses. Actually, the first four verses of the chapter. We're going to look into it. Into um, this story is really cool. Just the uh, first four verses. I think in this story, we can get a better definition of what favoritism is. So if you're there, James chapter 2, verse 1, I'm going to start reading. It says, My brothers, as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, do not show favoritism. In case you were wondering if it was right or wrong, um, I think it just told you right there. Do not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in shabby clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? I love that story. Four verses, a simple story, right? And I think we can maybe get from that um, how we're not supposed to treat rich people differently than poor people. And you can read on in James chapter 2 and get that. From, uh, from the story, but I think there's something bigger and something deeper in this story that we can learn about favoritism. I just, I want you guys to maybe, maybe step into the story and make yourself the man that's sitting down. Um, history tells us that, that this meeting they were in was more than likely a worship gathering, kind of like this, where people would come and worship or they would read scripture together and they would learn more about Jesus. That's more than likely what this gathering was. And so uh, here you have this man who's sitting down in his chair, and then you have two people walk in. You've got a rich man and a poor man, and they obviously, by their outward appearance, you can tell that. And I just want to step into the story, and I want you to put yourself into the story as the man sitting in the chair. What makes this man give give his seat to the rich man instead of the poor man? What is it that goes through his head, and he goes, there, I I want to give my seat to him. Because this guy wasn't noble. He didn't deserve the seat. He just gives a seat to him. And, uh, and so I want to give you the definition of favoritism as this. At the root of favoritism is the desire for self-advancement. The desire for self-advancement. It is the pursuit of one which causes the rejection of another based on the assumption of personal gain. And that's a lot, so let me explain it to you a little bit better here. I think this man looked at these two people that walked in. He said, you know what? The rich man has something to offer me. I can benefit from the rich man. What does the poor man have to offer me? Nothing. There's nothing he has to give me. But the rich man can give a lot to me. And so at the core of favoritism is the desire for self-advancement. I think this guy was thinking about himself, and he said, okay, I can make a decision here that could help me move on, move forward in life. Can I tell you uh, maybe how this played out in my life when I was a little bit younger? Um, I, I grew up with three sisters. And, well, actually, I still have three sisters. I didn't just grow up with them. I still have three sisters. I have uh, two older sisters and one younger sister, and many of you know uh, one of my older sisters, but my younger sister, uh, she was very very nagging, and maybe I can't say that because maybe that's just part of being young, but she would always come up to me when I was with my buddies hanging out, and she'd be like, Austin, Austin, and she'd try and give me a hug and be all sweet to me, 
And I was just like, oh, Ansley, her name is Ansley. I was like, Ansley, yo, you know, back off. Like, you're cramping my style. You know, it's hard for me to look cool with you just all up in my business here. Like, and so I just completely rejected her. And I seriously, I remember nights where she would come to me and be like, oh, you're such a jerk. And she would literally cry because she just felt so rejected by me. And I would just get so angry at her because she would annoy me. She'd just be all up in my business. It was annoying. Well, my older sister, um, she was only one grade above me in high school. We went through high school together. And if any of you have older siblings and if any of you guys have an older sister, one advantage to having an older sister is they have friends. Yeah? Anybody relating here? My older sister had friends, and she had attractive friends. And, and so I would go through high school, and this was... Uh, this appeased me a little bit. And so, you know, I walk up to her in the halls and be like, hey, April, how you doing today? Your day going all right? Everybody taking care of it? And I see her friends. And I'm like, oh, hey, what's your name? And I introduce myself and, and I say, oh, I'm Austin. What, what you guys doing this weekend? Well, y'all should come over, bake cookies, you know, have a little, have a little spend the night party. It'd be a great time. It'd just be a lot of, uh, you know, girl bonding time. It'd be fun. Y'all should do that. See, I use my sister. I took advantage of that relationship with her, right? And why did I do that? Because she had something to offer me. There was something I could gain from a healthy relationship with my sister. If I was tight with her, that meant good things were coming for me, right? But see, what did my little sister have to offer me? Nothing. She just nagged me the whole time. There was nothing I could get from my little sister except just annoying. And so I would play this relationship for my advantage. See, that's what favoritism is. And that's what this guy did. He had two people walk in and suddenly he thought, you know what? One of these guys can help me advance, and one of them can't. And so I want to give you three dangers of favoritism and help you see um, exactly how dangerous it is if you begin to show it in your life. And so the first one from the story, got two guys walk in, and suddenly, what does this guy have to do? The first point I want you to see, first danger of favoritism, is the guy sitting down has to judge, right? When you play with favoritism... You have to play in the arena of judgment. You do. You cannot show favoritism without judging others. And we all know judging is wrong, right? We all know that. The Bible says judging is wrong. Can we just ease the tension here? Can we all just raise our hands and say we judge? That's something we all do. We all judge each other or we judge others at some, some level, right? I judge people, but I like to call it observing. You know, I like to make observations. I kind of play it off like that. I, I love people watching. Anybody like people watching? I can literally, I can go to the mall. I can go to the mall and I can sit down and I can people watch for hours in the food court. Just people watch. Because I love to just observe people and, and think about, I wonder what their story is. I wonder what that. But if I'm not careful, if I'm not careful, observing others can lead me to passing judgment, right? And when I judge, I have to take other people's appearance and give them value based on it. I take their appearance, and judging by their appearance, I give them value. And isn't that what this guy did? He had two people walk in, and what did he do immediately? He said, judging by their outward appearance, I'm thinking this guy is more valuable than this guy. This guy has something to offer me that this guy doesn't. It happens, right? Matthew 7 says this, judge not that you may not be judged. John chapter 7 says this, do not judge by appearance, but judge with right judgment. Observing quickly leads to judging, and all of a sudden, sudden I'm giving them worth based on what I see. I was, uh, I was in the gym the other day. It's just another example of how I observe people. I was in the gym the other day, and this guy literally was standing in front of the mirror, 
and, uh, and I was like, what is he doing? Like, he's just one of those dudes that just looks at himself the whole time. I'm like, bro, what are you doing? And this guy, he looked like he just came off Jersey Shore. I kid you not. He was jacked. And I was like, all right, cool. And then all of a sudden, this dude lifts up his shirt in front of the mirror and begins to take pictures of himself in his cell phone. <laughs> he was doing this. And quickly, quickly, I judged him. And I said, bro, you are not someone I want to hang out with. Like, <laughs> me and you, not going to be friends, right? We all judge. But listen, when you judge, you have to give people value based on their appearance. And this can quickly lead to favoritism. I'm telling you, it's dangerous. It's very dangerous. What's the second danger of favoritism? The second danger is this. I often allow instant satisfaction to distract me from where God has me in my life. See, I think this guy was sitting down right where God had him. And maybe his relationship with Jesus was awesome. Maybe it was. And, uh, and then in comes something that's a little shiny. It's gold. And I think, uh, I think this guy saw a little potential in this, right? I, I don't, I'm not a history major or anything like that. But I, I know back then um, times were not good for a lot of people. And there wasn't a lot of rich people walking around, right? And so I think this guy saw the rich man. He said, I wonder what could come from this. See, what if I befriended this guy and that turned into something good for me, you know? What if my whole future could change because of my relationship with this guy? See, you in your life, um, you may be right where God wants you. Or maybe you're not, but you may be right where God wants you. And things are going to come in front of you. And if you're not careful, they're going to distract you because they're shiny and they bring instant satisfaction. See, I think popularity does that to many, many people. You may be a great, a great person. You go to church often. Your relationship with the Lord is great. And then all of a sudden, something in front of you gives you the idea that, man, if I had that, I could be instantly satisfied. And you know what happens? I quickly run after it. And all of a sudden, my life is linked to it because it brings me instant satisfaction. And that's a danger when you begin to show favoritism because you see how something can benefit you more, and it can pull you away from where God has you, right? And, and I want you guys to notice that this can happen on a corporate level too, as like in church. Um, you, may, you may love 12 Son, and I, and I hope you do because it's a great place, but something better may come along. And if you're not careful and if you're not seeking the Lord on where he wants you in your life, um, this, it may pull you toward that place. We talk about this a good bit, but I think um, when you begin to show favoritism, the shiny things in life, the gold things in life, they quickly catch your eye. And if you're not careful and if you're not seeking the Lord on where he wants you in your life, it'll pull you to it, you know? I, can, I, can I tell you a story about how um, <laughs> it wasn't favoritism, but part of favoritism is, is selfishness. I'm, I'm all about me and what, and what I want and, and what can benefit me, you know? And uh, this is a long story, so I hope you bear with me for a little bit. When I was a freshman at Liberty, I transferred in there, so I wasn't really a freshman. My first year at Liberty University in Virginia, um, we had this transit system like many colleges, and I never rode the bus. I, I hated riding the bus. I was always a walker. I just say, you know, I'm going to suck it up and walk it because the bus, there's smelly people on there, and it's just annoying. So I'm just going to walk. Well, today, I guess it was hot or something. For some reason, I decided to ride the bus for the first time in my career at Liberty University, and it was the worst decision of my life. 
And uh, this, this, just to let you know, this will go down as probably my most embarrassing moment, but also my most awesomest moment, if that's a word. So the two linked together is, is really cool, and I hope you guys like the story. Um, I was standing in line for the bus, and I've only got like 10 minutes to get to class. Class is all the way across campus, so I'm like, all right, this has got to hurry up. Well, the line was really, really long, and uh, I was like, man, i got to find a way around this line. My selfishness started creeping in, you know. And I started thinking, all right, how can I get around this? And uh, what I noticed on the bus is there was a front door, there was a front entrance, and then there was like a, a back entrance or a side entrance. And what they would do is the people would come off of the back entrance, and people would go on the front entrance, right? And I noticed this was happening. I was standing in the back of my line, back of the line, and I kind of had my hood on, had my hat on. I was acting all cool, trying to be like Ryan Sheckler. That was my deal back then. And uh, I was wearing the headphones, you know, just I was all to myself. And I started thinking, okay, I can, I can devise a little plan here. And so what I started thinking was, why don't I just kind of sneak in that side entrance on the door? Yeah, she's like, oh, my gosh, no, you didn't. Yes, I did. I snuck in the side, and so I started, started seeing that. And I slowly walked over, looking around, making sure no one was watching me. And as soon as they stopped coming off, I snuck in, right? Snuck in the side entrance. I'm gold. I'm on the bus, going to be on time to class. And uh, little did I know, here, here it is, you guys are about to be amazed. I stepped on, first step onto the bus, and the doors close, right? <laughs> and so what happens is this door closes on my book bag. So I've got my book bag on, and now I'm literally halfway stuck out the back of the bus and halfway in the bus. So I'm stuck in between, and I start freaking out. I'm like, oh my gosh, like everyone's probably watching me. What the heck? I just start going crazy. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get in. I cannot get in the bus. And, and my adrenaline starts pumping. I don't know what to do. And I literally, I just, y'all, I hulked out, right? I hulked out. I grabbed the doors right here. I literally grabbed the doors and I pushed them just, I mean, Superman strength. I pushed them away. And then I just walked on. Well, what I didn't know is I actually broke the doors. Yeah. My Superman strength broke the doors. And so now the doors won't close. They're making this like loud squeaking noise. I'm like, oh my gosh. But I just go onto the bus and the noise stops and I sit down. I'm like, okay, okay, I'm good. Like no one saw that, no one saw it. And then uh, this girl comes and she sits down next to me and I'm like, hey, how you doing? And she goes, um, I saw what just happened. And I said, no, you didn't. So you didn't see nothing. You didn't see nothing, girl. And... Uh, and so we keep, we, we start driving down the road to class. I'm golden, right? I'm good. You're thinking the story's over. The story's not over. It's just getting there. Um, so the bus is packed with people standing up. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, the worst moment of my life happens. This girl that's standing right beside the door, do you, you want to know what she does? She doesn't fall out, if you're wondering if that happens. That doesn't happen. Um, but the door is just a little bit cracked, probably about that much. And the, and the bus driver's driving. I don't know what he was thinking. He just was driving. And this girl drops her cell phone. And what do you think, what happens to the cell phone? This thing trickles down the steps out of the door. And, uh, and you hear it like crash on the concrete. And I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And the girl next to me, she goes, oh. And looks at me and points at me. And I'm like, girl, you better not say nothing. And, uh, and so then all these chicks start freaking out, and they start yelling, like, oh, my gosh, stop the bus, stop the bus, phone fell out of the bus. And this girl's like, I got to call my boyfriend, stop the bus. 
And I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? I'm slowly just like, keep driving, got to get to class, keep driving. And, uh, and she starts flipping out, and I'm like, oh my goodness. And, uh, and so we finally, the bus driver, he's smart, good guy, he doesn't stop. He keeps driving. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm just trying to play it off. And we finally get to our destination, and I just zoom, I'm right out, I'm to class. You can hate me for not saying anything. I don't know what I would have said, but I didn't say anything to the girl, I just went to class. And they, all of her friends like stuck around after trying to figure out a plan. But you know what happened? I was standing in that line, and all of a sudden my selfishness creeped, my selfishness creeped in, you know? And I thought, i got to find a shortcut. Like, I see a better way. I see a better way out of this. Like, this is looking better. And I think that's what happens when something shiny comes into our life. It can quickly pull us from where God has us, you know? So I hope you guys get that point. I... Um, the third danger of favoritism, and I want to I kind of sit on this one for a little while because I, I think it's probably the biggest danger of what happens when we uh, begin to show favoritism to people. The third danger is this. When you begin to show favoritism and when you begin to think about what can someone do for me, how can someone benefit me, how can my life be advanced based on someone else, when that begins to take place and take root into your heart, you know what happens? I become so focused on this person that what? I forget about the person over here, the poor guy who really needs my help. I like to say it this way. When I begin to open my hands to someone to just receive, to receive, to benefit from others, you know what in turn I end up doing? I end up closing my hands to the guy that needs me. I open my hands to this guy because all I can think about is my own self-advancement. All I can think about is what I can get, what I can earn from this guy. I end up closing my hands to the guy that really needs my help. I don't know if you guys can hear the, um, just the weight of that, what happens whenever you begin to show favoritism. When you begin to get a place in your heart that says, I'm more concerned about what someone can give me than I am about what I can give other people. When I'm so focused on what I can gain from relationships, I'm completely distracted away from how I can impact, it's a big word, from how I can impact the life of someone else. You will never have the impact that God intends for you to have if you are only wrapped up in what others can do for you. See, at the root of favoritism is the desire for self-advancement and its selfishness. It's all about what I can get, and I never stop to think about what I can do for others. So I'm going to give you two statements that I think are big, so I want you to pay attention and listen up. If you don't get anything from the night, please listen to this. Stop caring about what others can do for you, and start caring about what you can do for others. If you're taking notes, I I think I suggest you write that down. Stop caring, listen up, stop caring about what others can do for you and start caring about what you can do for others. Here's another one for you. I don't need you to do something for me so that I can do something for you. I don't need you to do something for me so that I can do something for you. If you are so focused on your little clique and your little group of friends that you can't get outside of it to reach out to someone who may need you, the poor person, if you're so focused on your social kind of status in school that you're afraid of what talking to someone else or impacting someone else's life will do to you, you are caught up in favoritism and you're stuck in it. You are. If your answer, here's another one, if your answer to that little conversation you had earlier about how do you treat others, if your answer to that question is this, I treat others how they treat me, if that's your answer, you're caught in favoritism. 
If your answer is, I'll love you if you love me, if your answer is, I'll respect you if you respect me, then you're stuck in favoritism because all you care about is what others can do for you and you never stop to think about what you can do for others. See, this is a big thing and I hope you guys feel the weight of the decision to be drawn to the person that can benefit me when I completely ignore the person that I can benefit. I heard um, of a couple people in this room, two in particular, and I don't know if some of you guys do this too, but I heard of a couple people that will actually spend their lunch period at school sitting with the mentally handicapped kids. I don't know what your response is to that, but my response is, wow, that's someone who gets this. That's someone who understands that I can spend my whole life caring about what other people give to me and I can never stop to think about how I can impact others. And if you can't do it in high school, and I know it's tough. I know it's tough and sometimes maybe you can, you can blame on your personality and you can say, well, that's just not like me and I understand it's difficult sometimes. But at the root of favoritism, it's a heart issue and it's something deep down inside of me that says, I only care about what people can do for me. See, we live in a generation, we live in a society that says you've got to get what's yours, right? You've got to take care of yourself. Don't worry about nobody else. You take care of yourself. And I'm telling you, if you begin to buy into that, you will never have the impact on other people's life that God wants you to have. You won't. And I think, uh, I was thinking about this too. You know why so many people don't buy into this Christianity thing? You know why so many people are just like, man, I'm not into that. It's not because theology's too deep. It's not because they can't understand it. It's not because they just don't want to believe in anything. They just want to do what they want. I really believe that so many people don't buy into Christianity because of this. They've yet to see someone actually live it out. They've yet to see someone live it out. Do you want to know how you can begin to live out the life that Jesus would have you live out? Let me read you this verse. John 13, 35 says this. By this, all men will know that you are my disciple. By this, all men will know. You ready? Dot, dot, dot. Here it comes. They will know you are my, my disciple if you love one another. If you love one another. Not they will know you are my, my disciple if you go to church. Not if you raise your hands during worship. Not if you have all the right answers in Sunday school or whatever, or small groups, whatever. Not that. They will know you are my disciple if dot, 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 you love one another. See, I believe this. I believe all of us want to have impact, right? All of us want to have impact on people's life. And I hope this doesn't happen, and God forbid this happened. But if you were to die tomorrow at your funeral, what do you want? You want someone to stand up and say, man, that person had an impact on my life. Every person in this room wants that, right? You want to know that someone would stand up and say, man, this person reached out to me when I didn't deserve it. When I was all alone on the corner of the lunch table, no friends. When I was a little rough around the edges, when I didn't have anything going for me, when I came to church and, and, and no one knew me, I was brand new, this person reached out to me. And this person impacted my life. And the person that does that, I'm telling you, is the person who gets it, that it's not all about what I can receive. And I'm not waiting for someone to benefit my life. I'm not waiting for what you can do for me. I'm going to step up and I'm going to impact someone's life regardless of what they do for me. See, there's a lot of people out there who can't do anything for you. They don't have anything to offer you. In fact, most people in high school, most people your age, don't have really anything to offer you. But you've got to make the decision if you're going to let that dictate whether you want to have impact on people's life. 
And I don't know, uh, I don't know what this means uh, to you and how this really plays out in your life. I really don't. But I think it starts when you walk out these doors. In fact, I know it does. Uh, maybe, it's, maybe it's you um, going to a restaurant and your waiter taking care of you, and, and you just say, you say, man, um, we're going we're gonna to pray for our, f- our food in just a second. Is there anything we can pray for you about? You ever thought about doing that? Is there anything we can pray for you? And he may say, nah, man, I don't, I don't believe in that. And you say, okay, cool. But he may say, you know what, man, it's crazy because I just, uh, just had this happen in my life, and I really need someone to pray for me. And maybe you just reaching out to someone at school that maybe you, your clique doesn't hang out with. I don't know what it is. I don't know how this plays out in your life. But I know you were all made for impact. I know you were. So the band's going to come back up, and I want to close out. Um, just in case you're missing what this is all about, and just in case you're not really sure what this is, and maybe not sure like why you should not show favoritism, I want to read you a verse in Philippians. And um, you can follow along on the screen. Philippians chapter 2. Verse 5 says this, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, listen, he humbled himself, and he became obedient to death, even death on a cross. You want to know something? You didn't deserve and you still don't deserve Jesus. But he gave his life for you. And it says it right there. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. And that's why we do it. You ever heard, you ever heard the statement, I forgive because I've been forgiven. I love because I've been loved. That's why you reach out to those who maybe don't deserve it. Maybe those who um, are different. Maybe those who are rough around the edges. Maybe all that. I want to read you a story, and we're going to close out. Um, There's a story about a young lady who could hardly wait to become a teacher. Her name was Miss Thompson. Miss Thompson, from the time she was a little girl, couldn't think of anything she wanted to do but to become a school teacher. She was in love with that career, and she educated herself, acquired a job, and had done it for a few years. At the start of every school year, she would stand before the boys and girls and say, I love you all the same. But it really wasn't true. You see, teachers do have favorites. But what's worse is that they just don't like some of the students. <laughs> Teddy Stallard happened to be a little boy that Miss Thompson did not like. And she had good reason. See, Teddy, Teddy wasn't interested in school whatsoever. He was a deadpan. He had blank expressions. He had glassy eyes. He was unfocused appearance. His clothes were musty. His hair was unkept. He wasn't attractive. And most certainly, he was not a likable guy. She would mark Teddy's wrong answers with big X's, and she'd put F's on the top of the paper, and she would do it happily. And then suddenly she found out, um, she came upon Teddy's school records, and this is what they said. In first grade, it says, Teddy shows, no, shows promise with his work and his attitude, but he's got a poor home situation. In second grade, it says, Teddy could do better, but his mother's seriously ill, and he receives little help from home. In third grade, Teddy is a good boy, but he's too serious. He's a slow learner, and his mother died this year. In fourth grade, it says, Teddy's very slow but well-behaved, but his father shows no interest. Christmas came, and all the kids brought their presents, and they gathered around Miss Thompson's desk to watch her 
open all the gifts. And among the presents was one from Teddy. She was really surprised. It says, Teddy's gift was wrapped with brown paper and scotch tape. And on the paper was written, For Miss Thompson from Teddy Stallard. When she opened it, out fell this gaudy rhinestone bracelet with half the stones missing and a bottle of cheap perfume. The other boys and girls began to giggle and smirk, and Miss Thompson at least had enough sense to silence them by immediately putting on the bracelet and putting on the perfume. Holding her wrist up for, the, um, for them all to smell, she said, doesn't it smell lovely? And, and all the children said, ooh, and ah, and all that. At the end of the day, all the children left except for Teddy. He waited behind. He slowly came over to Miss Thompson's desk, and he said this. He said, Miss Thompson, Miss Thompson, he said, you smell just like my mother, and her bracelet looks so nice on you. When Teddy left, Miss Thompson got down on her knees, and she asked God to forgive her. The next day when the children came to school, they were welcomed by a new teacher. Her name was Miss Thompson, but Miss Thompson had returned to her first love. She no longer was just a teacher, but became an agent for God. She now was committed to loving her children and doing things for them that would last longer, long after she was gone. She helped the students, especially the slow ones and especially Teddy. By the end of the year, Teddy showed a dramatic improvement, caught up with most of the students and even passed a few. And then Miss Thompson didn't hear from Teddy for a long time. Then one day she received a note and said this, Dear Miss Thompson, I wanted you to know that I would be graduating second in my class. Love, Teddy. Four years later, she gets another note and says, Dear Miss Thompson, they told me that I'd be graduating first in my class, and I wanted you to be the first to know. College has not been easy, but I liked it. Love, Teddy. Four years later, she says, Dear Miss Thompson, as of today, I am Dr. Theodore Stallard. How about that? I wanted you to be the first to know, and I'm getting married next month, the 22nd to be the exact. I want you to come and sit where my mother would have sat if she were still alive. You're the only family I have. My dad died last year. Love, Teddy. Miss Thompson went to the wedding. She sat where Teddy's mother would have sat. She deserved to sit there. She had done something for Teddy that he would never forget, and neither would she. What did Miss Thompson do for Teddy? She invested in someone's life that was maybe a little rough around the edges, maybe didn't have it all together. Maybe had a rough home life. Maybe didn't deserve to be loved. That's what she did. And she impacted someone's life. Here's my question that I want you to walk out with. Who's the Teddy in your life? Who is it? Because they're all over the place. And they're all waiting for someone to step up and impact them. And you could be that person. You could be that person. So we're going to sing a song. We're going to worship. And I want you to think... I love the first words of this song. It says, search my heart and know my soul. And as you worship, I just want you to think about that. I want you to think, is there selfishness in my heart that is keeping me from reaching out to people and only reaching out to those who have something to offer me? So, Father, we love you this tonight, and we love you, and we, um, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you first loved us. We thank you that you didn't show favoritism. Thank you that you reached down to us when we didn't deserve it. And God, I, I think this is huge. For anybody of any age, if we can get this, if we can understand this, Lord, I believe that our schools would be impacted. I believe that our counties would be impacted, and I think the world would be impacted if we could begin to grasp this. So, God, I pray that you would mark our hearts. And, Lord, would you place something in our lives, in our hearts, that as we leave this room, God, that we wouldn't look for the person that just benefits us, but we would look for those that we can impact. 
because they're out there. And it's a matter, matter of our hearts. And it's all about whether we're willing to reach out. So God, would you do that in our lives tonight? Amen.